You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Formerly Bulletproof Radio. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Today, we're going to talk about testosterone. We're going to talk about something called progressive overload and variable resistance training. In other words, how to have muscles that actually look reasonably good without spending more time than is necessary. Now, you might be a a meathead who just loves to spend six hours a day in the gym. And you could even kind of own with pride the name meathead the way I do. uh, I own the word nerd with pride. (laughs) So we might come from different cliques in high school. But uh, at the end of the day, even if you are a meaningfully strong power lifter or a fitness competitor, if you can achieve all of your goals in half the time and use the other time to do something you enjoy, even if it's just watching reruns on Netflix, there's an argument that wasting your time doing things less effectively isn't a good one. That's why I wrote Smarter Not Harder. And that's why I'm really motivated. I I spent 702 hours in the gym over the course of 18 months when I was 300 pounds trying to fix stuff. And I just did things that didn't work. I worked really hard. I didn't get results. So I've got a guest for you today who has a a similar story, uh, but he was looking at first to fix a problem in his family and just went really, really, I'm going to say off the deep end in the best possible way uh, towards exercise uh, physiology, dedicated years to refining strategies for improving health, building bone density. He actually has clinical studies showing he can put muscle on faster than lifting rocks on sticks, which is what actually barbells are. You'll see some of the most elite athletes and Olympians in the world using what he has. And you last heard him on the show in episode number 863 in 2021. He's written a book with a title that makes me happy. Weightlifting is a waste of time. And a more technical one called osteogenic loading. If that's not enough, as an intro, I'm talking about Dr. John Jaquish. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Weightlifting is a waste of time. Now, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, and by the way, if you haven't followed me on YouTube, my channel, I'm putting a lot of shorts and a lot of good stuff up there. So make sure you check it out. But uh, you kind of look like you might have picked up a weight or two. You're one of those guys who, uh, you know, just a wall of muscle. People in the field of, of biohacking, like the, the inner circle people who, who really are working on stuff, we've been talking for 10 years since like the start of the biohacking movement about these things and, and to just weightlifting is a waste of time. It's so in your face and it, and it almost insults a bunch of people. Do you get a lot of haters online? You literally, you've got your shirt off. You've got your beautiful partner. You've got your sports cars. You know, you're kind of like the '80s poster of success, right? Thanks, man. <laughs> you get a lot of shit. I mean, you're, you're look great. You're living a great life. Like, <laughs> I part of what I'm trying to do is like explain my lifestyle, yeah, and how I don't live in the gym. Like, I I actually go out and enjoy being strong and super fit. And my wife is strong and super fit. In, in actuality, I'm, I'm in the office a lot of the time. 
But uh, when I get out of the office, I do have a great time. And, uh, and I go, you know, and see all kinds of beaches and exciting things all over the world. And I, I get a lot of great pictures, uh, me being in shape. And, you know, it's, it's what I want people to see, like that, that lifestyle. Like most, most guys past maybe 25 are like embarrassed to take their shirt off because they just don't look that great. And also, you know, I'm not a bodybuilder. Like, I mean, this is the condition that I'm still basically in. It's on the <laughs> Guys, if, if you're just listening, he holds up a book, I'm not a bodybuilder, and he's got his shirt off. <laughs> and I mean, he, he's like twice as ripped as I am. I mean, I'm, I'm at, I just measured him at 5.4% body fat last night. But you have probably twice the muscle mass I do because you spend more time on it than I do. Uh, so I mean, you, you look like a bodybuilder. I don't think I do, actually. I, really? In fact, I, yeah, I got a screenshot for it. In the entire year of 2023, I worked out for 14 hours and 43 minutes. There you go. See? That's <laughs> in a year. <laughs> I'm 20 minutes a week all in on all of my exercise. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like right there. Like, you know, it's a very small amount of time. Now, I busted my ass in that 14 hours. But that's spread out over a year. So um, mm-hmm. that's sort of all of the efficiency of variable resistance. And, and so when I'm able to apply a higher level of force in stronger positions of an exercise and a lower level of force in the more compromised positions of exercise, well, then I can go to a greater level of fatigue and trigger more growth. Now, this is the type of muscle growth that is muscle protein synthesis. Is I, I think a lot of people in fitness discussions, they really don't realize that there's two types. Well, there's really three types of muscle growth. One's really hard to get, uh, but there's sarcoplasmic and myofibril. Myofibril is where you're basically getting st- stronger by definition, like in the moment, because you have more mechanical structures within the cell, more actin and myosin that come together. And that's what actually creates the shortening of the muscle the contraction. The other type of muscle growth is sarcoplasmic. So meaning um, that's like, so the first kind is more like the engine that is the muscle and sarcoplasmic is more like the gas tank. So you can have a bigger gas tank too uh, by forcing more blood into the muscle on a frequent basis. Therefore, the muscle decides, okay, we're going to store more fuel within the muscle. So that's ATP, glycogen, and creatine phosphate. So those are the three fuels that sit in the muscle when you compound what's you know generally known as volume training. Uh, and this is not a shortcut. This takes a lot of time. So that kind of thing is also amazing with variable resistance. Uh, variable resistance produces the same exact muscle size results that regular training does, but you get so much stronger with variable resistance. There's two things listeners are interested in. One is how strong am I? And the other one is how do I look? Like how big am I? What's the relationship between the size of your muscles and your actual strength? It's not necessarily one-to-one. Uh, now, if you, if you look at some of the strongest people in the world, it becomes one-to-one because in everything you do, whether it's more strength-focused or more blood flow focused. I want to call it blood flow because that's re- really what's going on. The, with the blood comes the ATP, the glycogen, the creatine phosphate, and it gets basically deposited in the muscle. Some of it's used and some of it is retained. Uh, and that, that compounds over time. So 
when you're looking at most people, most athletes, basically everybody except for bodybuilders and some fitness people uh, is really looking at strength because people want to be a as a higher highest power to weight ratio as possible. So most amount of strength difference and actually less size. So um, if you were like, if you look at lower weight class powerlifters um, or or gymnasts, like they want to be as explosive as possible. They don't want to put on mass. Like that's the last thing they want because they got to pull all that mass through the air yep. as they're as they're moving. So so they're working on things like potentiation. They're trying to get more muscle firing. So that's a neurological difference, also called skill building. Right. Um, and and they're also focused on very explosive movements, uh, very high levels of exhaustion, short periods of time, not trying to get exaggerated blood flow at all. So that was the X3 programming that that you sort of got when I gave you one of the prototypes and yeah, that, the programs. Let's talk about that for a minute. So, so guys, back when John was on the show, actually before you've been on the show, you sent me one of the first five X3 bars ever made. And this is something that you've become well known for. And this is the way you apply variable resistance. I even wrote about it in Smarter Not Harder. It's one of the several different ways that puts muscle on better than picking up rocks. And it, it I think that the... It was probably a Facebook posting or something back then that I did. It, it totally helped to blow up, but got a lot of attention on it. And, and you could really feel and see the difference. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. People will throw the word superfood around like it means something, and they'll apply it to almost anything. I'm waiting to see superfood kibble for humans. But there are real superfoods, and there's one that I've been researching for years with so many health benefits, you almost wouldn't believe it. I first started using it for gut health, and then I figured out that it supports metabolism, hair growth, healthy skin, immunity, and even athletic performance. I'm talking about colostrum. Colostrum is the first nutrition we receive in life and has all the essential nutrients that your body needs to thrive and grow. To get those nutrients, it's important to properly source your colostrum. And that's why I use Armra Colostrum. Armra is a bovine colostrum concentrate that's natural, sustainable, and third-party tested for purity and efficacy. Most colostrums that you might find are heat pasteurized, which depletes nutrients and changes proteins. Armra's process preserves the integrity of 400 bioactive nutrients. It's also been shown to have the highest potency and bioavailability of any colostrum on the market. Since I started taking Armra colostrum, I've noticed a difference in my energy, my fitness, uh, my skin, my gut, especially when I travel. And I like it that I can take one or two or three scoops and I could just take it in my mouth or I can drink it with water and it tastes mild and it really does change the state of my body. It's a potent anti-aging substance. 
Go to tryarmra.com, T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com. Use code Dave. They'll give you 15% off your first order. People are talking about this a lot online. I've been a fan of colostrum for years. I just couldn't find one that consistently worked. Armra really makes me happy because it does. You just came out with a new digital version of the X3 bar, which is why I want to have you back on because this thing is really incredible. I'm all about the data. I don't care what some epidemiologist says or some super angry men's health, uh, you know, exercise physiologist who's basically a troll out there. I don't care what they say. I really don't. All I care about is my data or your data and your results are my results. So some clown can tell you that, you know, statins work and the only way to live longer is exercise. Uh, and there's a longevity guy out there, a doctor trying to say these things right now. The reality is it's more complex, but show me the data. And the data is you. So with the X3 bar, I tried it for a few weeks before I promoted it. I was like, holy crap, this is different. And with the digital version you have, you can show people they get stronger faster and you right. can show them exactly how much they did. I know the value of data for motivation and I know the value of the X3 bar. So I'm like a digital X3 bar, mm, it's so good. So yeah, like variable resistance will make you absolutely stronger so much faster. Uh, but but the, the concept of progressive overload, uh, I just I mean, most of the audience probably never heard that term. Uh, what it means is you need, I, I never liked the term before because when somebody would say like, you know, what's your, what's your method of training? They're like progressive overload. So your method of getting stronger is getting stronger. Cause that's really what that means. It's like that, that kind of dumb. Um, but the concept is if you are getting stronger, you can progressively handle more resistance. So you can go up in repetitions or you can do the same amount of repetitions uh, and each repetition is done slower, so more time under tension. That's progressive overload. Or you're dealing with a higher level of resistance. So all three of those things, or a mix of any of those things, is greater force created, so you're progressing the overload. You only grow muscle from a protein synthesis standpoint when you best those numbers. So if you're not beating your previous, then you're not really doing anything. Now, this is just from a myofibril perspective, not a sarcoplasmic perspective. But for the people who want to be as strong as possible, you want to make sure you're breaking your record every time. Is that really true, though? I, if I flew around the planet yesterday and I've got circadian disruption and I'm recovering from a cold and I go into lift, do I really want to break my previous best on that day when my body isn't really ready to grow? I would tell you, sleep today. Let's do it. Tomorrow. Okay, there you go. So yeah. that's part of what Upgrade Labs is doing. It's like, hey, let's get your data. And if you know your desire is to lift heavy, but your body is like, nah, yeah. let's not do it. Let's let's put you in an advanced recovery protocol, right? Okay. Yeah, there are plenty of days where your body says no. You you want you want to create that environment where you're besting your previous. So so the original program was more like a standard kind of fitness. Program, but I'm doing something a little different now. Whereas we focus on strength, you basically just do one set per exercise per week, and you know you're fully recovered going going in because you had an entire week rest. Uh, and then in between, you just do volume work. And so you know my 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 approach to this, and I haven't launched the program yet because 
the, num- the number of sets is like different, you know, per body part. And the exercises are done a little differently uh, because it's a little different focus. But ultimately, what we want is just maximum blood flow. So, I mean, you can put your favorite Netflix show on and do sets of exercises, not, this is critical, not to failure. Okay. You, you want to stop five reps short of failure. So you do your strength work and you know what you can do. Let's say it's, you know, the black band and you can do it 20 repetitions. Well, that's, you know, that's your, that's your strength work. But then when you switch gears to volume, which is what you do for the rest of the week, then it's just like, okay, I can do, uh, let's say four or five sets or maybe 10 sets. And I'm just going to do 15 repetitions instead of 20, because you're just trying to compound the blood flow into the muscle over and over and over again. And that's where the size comes from. So how many reps? Are you doing like the failure reps, did you say? It, it takes 20 repetitions to just go to absolute complete fatigue. Okay, and you do that how many times a week? One. So once a week, you blow yourself out, basically. Right. Okay, and then the rest of the time, you're, you're doing five reps short of blowing yourself out. And you do that every day? No. Uh, so I can do it. What, what I'm doing right now is six days a week, but I split the body three ways. So I do push upper body, pull upper body, and then legs. That's how I split it. Got it. And this is an average of how many minutes per workout? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, the actual time under tension might be like six minutes per workout. Six minutes. And uh, the time, is there a rest between each set? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then what's the total time with resting and doing it? it? Well, it depends. Like I tell people do as much volume as you can do that fits in your life. People will say that what you're saying is too good to be true. Right? And I get this all the time. Dude, I have a franchise with 27 locations and more signing up and we have all this data and we're showing that it works. But it's not supposed to work, therefore it doesn't. And what you do, you know, they're saying, what do you mean? You're not you know, blowing discs out with you know, 16 plates on each side or something. Uh, therefore, it doesn't work. And the reality is, curiosity is okay and, and it's okay to be wrong. You know, I, I've shifted some of my nutritional strategies from what I did 10 plus years ago. Um, I'm, I think I'm directionally accurate on it. <laughs> and, you know, we all learn. Uh, and you may decide tomorrow that six reps instead of five away from failure works better. And then you'll just change and it won't mean you're a bad person. And just, this is just for, for people listening. Um, John has real science and we're going to talk about stuff in the journals, strength and conditioning research and other things like that. Um, but you see so much garbage out there, some of it funded by big pharma, and there's organized trolls for animal rights terrorist groups trying to get you to be vegan. Uh, there's probably some like a farmer's group trying to get you to be carnivore, you know, that's, that's behind the scenes pulling puppets. I doubt it, but who knows? The bottom line is, how do you know if something's trustworthy? Sometimes journals help. I think they do. But you got to look at the people who are talking about it and the results they're getting with themselves and their communities. And I've I've seen some pretty impressive results, you know, why it works and how it works. And frankly, you know, your biceps look like they're doing all right. Now, doing all right. I got to ask you this though, and this is something that's kind of tortured me. We've all seen videos of Shaolin monks and they're doing one finger push downs and they're doing these incredible feats of strength. Yeah. And they're small. Why are they so strong when they don't have the bulk that you or I have? There's three ways to make a muscle bigger, and there's four ways to get stronger. So 
what they're focusing on is the way to get stronger that doesn't make you bigger, which is neurological. Getting more muscle to fire. Got it. At a faster rate. Most people, when they when they contract a muscle, it's you know maybe low, low percentage, thirty percent, whatever. The actual mechanical tissue available is recruited. So, like like a gymnast, they're great at getting almost the entire muscle to fire in in anything they're doing with attention. So, um, you know, not necessarily not necessarily reflexive, uh, but more more is recruited in their reflexes also. Uh, which is why they have such incredible balance. So the Shaolin monks, they they also very very uh, carefully restrict their eating. You never see an obese Shaolin monk. That's for um, sure. So very 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 small amount of calories, very high level of potentiation, uh, and the muscle that they are growing, they're not getting a blood flow effect. They're doing m- mostly what X3 does, which is muscle protein synthesis. Uh, so, so they're just building sort of like lean, powerful muscle as opposed to a larger muscle that's capable of longer sustained contractions. That's, you know, that's sort of more like a bodybuilder. But they don't get the bulk. I was reading, so, so part of what I do is I, I, I read your stuff and, and I, I look at modern things and I also look at old practices. And a lot of these guys are practicing something called Nigong, which is sort of the redheaded stepchild of uh, of qigong, uh, and they teach that there's uh, ligaments uh, and tendon strength, that there's muscle strength, uh, and that there's something they call interstitial strength or wang. And I don't exactly know what that is, <laughs> but maybe that's the neurological stuff you're talking about. It's some other factor that we don't look at in modern exercise science. But maybe what those Shaolin masters are doing is definitely tendon and muscle and, and bone strengthening and neurological strengthening. So they, like you said, they, they fire everything so they don't need as much. That would be more like driving a lighter car. How do I get that? I want to be stronger than you with 50% of the muscle mass that you have. I mean, then, that, you know, it's like lifting incredibly slow does mm. that. So like like real slow contractions with the X3. So you know I'm moving like molasses, you know like three seconds up, three seconds back, kind of thing. Uh, you're recruiting more tissue. So like the the analogy I like is when you draw a line on a piece of paper. If you do it fast, a straight line, it's easy. If you do it slowly, your hand will ache. It's because of all the stabilization firing is required to enable you to draw that line straight. So all kinds of reflexes are firing to keep that pencil in your fingers and drawing a straight line. And all, all kinds of feedback information is being used from you know, your, your visual interpretation of what's happening on the page and uh, the mechanical feedback of you know, what's going on in your hand. So you, know, you draw a, a straight line really slow and you know, your hand just like, ah, like, why is my hand ache from drawing a, a line? Well, much more muscular involvement. Okay. So really, really slow movement. That's something in, in my last book, Smarter Not Harder, like really, really slow, especially eccentrics, makes a difference. When you're using the new um, X3 bar that you came out with, uh, with the, the digital measurement, uh, 
Do you, um, it must track the speed that you're lowering the bar. Yeah. How do you how do, how does the feedback work on that to encourage people to do it slower or faster? So it's sampling multiple times per second. Okay. And it's so what you're competing with is the total force you create. If you're going, if you're doing like crappy, you know, fast repetitions like that, you know, or just pushing out, letting it, you know, like snap back on you, sort of thing. The aggregate number is going to see that you're hanging back in the in the easier part of the motion a lot. You're spending a lot more time back there than you are in the loaded position. So then you're going to have a lower total force. Now, once you learn how to do it right, you go slow and controlled contractions, that number starts jumping up. So you always want to be beating that number. That's progressive overload. So by looking at that total number, and I mean, it's like precise. Like like when I do a chest press, the aggregate number of pounds that's uh, collected is like 20,000. So it's, I can, t- like, like if I'm at, you know, 19,900, I know I've got to do another maybe half a repetition to beat my previous best. But then that's a trigger for growth. And when you have the data in front of you, you said it's so motivating. Most people, they may only have a few workouts in their life where they actually get stronger and, and they are able to realize it and perform a, a, you know, a greater level of force and then trigger growth again. Like, that it might only be a handful of times because most people have no view of this and repetition counting is not it because like you can do, like I see people when they start training, you know, they'll, they'll might do 10 reps uh, on a bench press with a certain amount of weight. And then two weeks later, they're doing 12 reps, but they're doing them faster. So they're actually doing less work by doing the 12 reps than with the 10. So are they getting stronger? No, they're not. And uh, with this, like you absolutely know every time. And if you waited the proper amount of time and you had the proper amount of protein on your days that that you weren't training, uh, you will notice you'll beat your number almost every time. And that's that's what happened to me over over the course of 2023 and my 14 hours of exercise. Oh man, it's tough. 14 hours, it's like almost almost two full work. Let's talk about testosterone replacement therapy. So full disclosure here, uh, unlike some uh, <clears throat> liver kings, uh, I have, uh, I've always talked about testosterone. In fact, I think a lot of the reason people under 40 are on it is something I've said over the last 10 years. I started it when I was 26 because my testosterone levels were lower than my mother. In lab tests, I had exceptionally low testosterone. It's one of the reasons I was 300 pounds and obese. And there's a variety of reasons for that. It wasn't for lack of exercise. It wasn't for lack of trying. It wasn't for things like that. When you have toxins, especially mold toxins that are a thousand times stronger estrogens than human things, they have effects on your biology. That specific toxin is called xeralinone, and it's in the mold that can be growing in your house. So I had all kinds of stuff in my biology that was not working. I still have all the extra skin and stretch marks from that over my rippling abs, but I can deal with that. So I've been on testosterone for all but three years. I went off of it when I was developing the Bulletproof Diet before I published it to see what I could do without testosterone. And if I did everything perfectly and I didn't travel for business and I ate perfectly and I slept perfectly, I could get my numbers up to about 650 to 700. 
And it was, it was a struggle. And since I run a company, actually multiple companies, and I do stuff, it's not reasonable. So I use testosterone to keep my levels to the amount where I get physiological results, which is around 900 to 1,000. For some people, it needs to be higher because of a sex hormone binding globulin. And some people, it needs to be lower. This is for men. For women, the numbers are different, substantially different, depends on where you are in which phase of life you're in and even where you are in your cycle if you're still ovulating. So different discussion. We've got several episodes with, uh, with women hormone experts like Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Anna Kabeca uh, are two that come to mind. So testosterone, I, I think you mean for men. Tell me your thoughts on testosterone. What are you doing? Are you juicing? There's no moral problem with juicing. It's just like thyroid replacement. It's what men do if they want to be healthy in a world full of estrogenic compounds. Fasting. It's one of the best biohacks because there are so many benefits to your body and it doesn't even cost anything. Fasting can help you live longer, increase your brain power, and even turn back your biological age because it induces something called autophagy. Autophagy swaps out old or damaged parts of your cells with fresh new ones. There is now an awesome product called Spermidine Life that actually tricks your body into thinking it's fasting, which triggers autophagy without any actual fasting required. Spermidine Life is extracted from non-GMO plants and it's super clean. Fast smarter, not harder. Add Spermidine Life to your stack today, whether or not you practice intermittent fasting. Go to spermidinelife.us, use code ASPRI25 for 25% off your first purchase. Glyphosate, it's in your soil, water, and food. It's awful for people, and it's just as bad for your pets. Dogs spend all day with their noses down. They're scavenging and sniffing in glyphosate-heavy areas like lawns, parks, apartment common areas where no one should be allowed to spray that stuff anyway. But your dog probably gets more exposure to glyphosate than you do. The good news is that you can biohack your furry friends too. Beam Minerals makes a canine mineral supplement specifically designed to detox dogs from glyphosate. Beam Minerals contains humic compounds. They originate in the soil and bind to glyphosate to deactivate and remove it from your dog's body for good. Best of all, it's a flavorless liquid, so all you have to do is add a few drops to your dog's food. In about 30 seconds a day, you can help your dog detox from glyphosate and live a longer and healthier life, not a rough one. To enhance your pet's microbiome and support its overall well-being, give Beam Mineral Pets a try. Go to beamminerals.com slash dave2024 and save 20% off your first order. I've been on TRT since I was 28 because of a bad rugby hit and I got some testicular damage. I was 163 nanograms to the deciliter uh, uh, right before turning 29. And my doctor was like, you're going to have a heart attack in your 30s. Yeah, it's dangerous to have low testosterone. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, you have like cardiac dysfunction. And um, so I, I've been on testosterone for uh, since then. And I mean, from a muscular standpoint, it did basically nothing. Um, but I found out why. Uh, and so my, I, I've been doing a lot of different, uh, testing experiments, interviewing people And what I, what I ended up figuring out was that we really approach TRT incorrectly. And there's, there's two ways to, to fix what's, what's been, what's been done wrong. So like, there's a reason that steroid users run cycles. So you know, for two months, they'll have like a high level of uh, androgenic anabolic compounds and then they cycle off of it. And of course they're like suicidal when they cycle off it, depending on what drug they were on or how high a dosage. 
And so very bad mental trauma. So I, that, that's a really crappy path to be on. But that's what they do. And the reason they cycle off is something you mentioned, SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin. So sex hormone is testosterone. So testosterone's floating around in your blood. The blind, binding globulin grabs a hold of it, makes it useless. So that's the whole point of SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin. And it's testosterone. And women so, have it too. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So what happens is somebody gets on testosterone replacement therapy and they had low testosterone and now they have high testosterone and they get great results for about two months. So they might gain some muscle, they feel better, their vision improves. Uh, cognitively, they're, they're like just firing on all cylinders. And then all of a sudden, they kind of go back to where, the, way, the way they were feeling before, but their testosterone's higher. And it's because it takes about 60 days for SHBG to rise and cancel out the testosterone you're taking. Now, you don't want to run testosterone replacement therapy in cycles because you're basically miserable in the in-between part. So why does SHBG go up? And the answer isn't just because you have exogenous testosterone. It's because you have exogenous testosterone at the wrong times of the day. So the natural rhythm of secretion of testosterone, when you wake up, it's very low and it goes up very quickly. Like let's say you wake so up what, at 8 a.m. Why do you wake up with, uh, with a kickstand if your testosterone is low in the morning? That's a great question. There's a little lot of different reasons for that. Uh, but your it starts to climb as soon as you wake up. Well, that may have something to do with it. But um, so it climbs, it peaks around noon and then drops off. So your first four hours of the day is when testosterone uh, is secreted by your testicles um, or other sex hormones if you're a woman, uh, organs if you're a woman. And, and then it attaches to receptors and muscle and can contribute to growth later in the day if you have uh, the proper amounts of protein to create the muscle protein synthesis. However, if you have, so you're supposed to have high testosterone like kind of in the early middle of the day and then it drops back off. And if testosterone goes up and down like that, whether it's endogenous, meaning created by the body or exogenous, meaning put in the body by something else, Either way, as long as it cycles, the cycle mirrors the circadian rhythm, you don't upregulate SHBG. So what I was doing was you was doing daily uh, subcutaneous injections of testosterone suspension. So very fast acting testosterone, very small amount. I was doing 10 milligrams a day. So my prescription was uh, for 200. I was taking 200 and that, that's a standard. Mine was about 100, yeah. Okay. So um, I went from 200 to 70 a week because I was doing 10 every day. And within a month, I was gaining muscle again. And so it was like, like other than when I developed X3, I put on 45 pounds of muscle then. But I think it was like my body had just been lacking any decent stimulus. I had been working out with weights and... I have a, a genetic tendon layout that's more like 99% of the population where you can't really gain a whole lot of muscle and engage muscu your musculature properly enough to stimulate growth. Uh, that, that's the problem that most people have. And that, that's what I talk about in, in the book, the biomechanical inefficiencies that most people have. 
And of course, some people, like 1% of the population, are born with better, more advantageous attachments. Therefore, they engage more muscle in everything they do. Then they develop more muscle in everything they do. And these are the people that end up in the NFL or at the Olympics. Right. And then, so it's like you, you, know, you see something, and everybody knows a guy in high school in my TED talk. I'm like, raise your hand if there was somebody at your high school that went from looking like they were 16 and then they looked like they were 25, like a year later, just because their level of physical development, every hand went up. Everyone's like, yeah, there's always that one person. And right, you got a high school of a thousand people, there's probably one person. And, uh, and that's how rare that is. And so it's like with variable resistance, we make up for that. And everybody can trigger muscle growth like the genetic outlier. But now the, the testosterone issue is a little different. So what I did was by using less than half of the testosterone I was using before, all of a sudden I was growing again because my SHBG went super low. Right. And now daily injections obviously suck. And traveling with needles also sucks because, you know, like you go to a foreign country, like try going to Dubai with a bunch of insulin needles. Like well, They don't like that. I never tried. Oh, they don't, they don't like Tylenol. Like if you have Tylenol in like a plastic bag, they'll take it away from you. I, I know, I've been to Dubai a bunch of times. I, I always find them to be remarkably, uh, I've never had a, a border issue, but I'm just re- remarkably open-minded about stuff. Maybe once you're in the country, there's a lot of longevity stuff going on there. Like, like some really cutting edge, like around the world level cutting edge stuff uh, in Dubai. They must know who you are because they don't, they give me a hard time. So many of the, the, uh, the citizens there in in UAE are are very interested in growth hormone peptides, yeah. and they want to do it legally. But the government's actually not opposed to that. It, it's interesting. They just want to make sure that you're not bringing all the bad stuff in. So I I I was so surprised, so surprised having you know met so many people in their homes out there. I'm just like like the the open mindedness there. It it's the same as it would be in the U.S. or maybe even sure. more open minded. Well, let let me let me get back to what I'm saying. Injections every day, which is mm-hmm. what this protocol does, and it enables me to actually use the testosterone that's in my body, even though it's like less than half. Um, and as I was doing this, I was like, wow, like I've really like kind of, I think I've cracked the code of TRT. I've also kind of cracked the code of steroids. Because, because you're injecting every day? That was the code? Well, I'm mirroring the circadian rhythm secretions. By by ingest, injecting in the morning. So you know who you sound like here is T.S. Wiley, who came on the show a while ago. And she's she's got, in my books, I reckon, is the best uh, form of hormone replacement for men or women. But she changes it at the time of day and the time of month and time of year with thyroid, testosterone, and anything else you need. And And it's like really complex to do it. But it's mathematically, it's one that makes the most sense and gets the best results. But what you did was a lot more elegant because like, I'll just do it in the morning in smaller doses. Totally like that versus a pellet or something. Right, but, right. But, but, but what you're doing now... So, but I, I, got, I got something even better. Yeah, this is the oral form, which I'm pretty interested in. So as I'm doing my experimentation, I'm like, okay, like I cracked the code. Like People on TRT can keep on growing now. Now, I would argue that even the person who's using superhuman dosages, the steroid user, should just quit doing that and do this in the same sort of manner. Even if they want to use too much, 
do it in the same manner because you don't want to go to bed with high testosterone. That's when your SHBG goes up and all this chain reaction, all kinds of bad shit that happens. Interesting. And so morning injections are better for testosterone. This is an important thing. It would have to be suspension. What does that it mean? It can't be sipionate. Yeah, I cannot don't like be an anthony. sucks. It gives me man boobs. I switched to enthanate a long time ago and I get so much better results, even though it's cheaper, better, more available in most of the world. But what, it, what kind of suspension are you doing? So, no, it's just called testosterone suspension. So it has no ester attached. So it's just oh. like your hormone. Just Where do you get up. that? It's just bioidentical purely. Um, any, any pharmacy. Interesting. I'll have to well, try that. I haven't played with it. Okay. But it's okay. Because what I'm explaining right now, I, I don't think anybody should necessarily do it because there's an oral option. Right. And there's a couple companies uh, that, that now have uh, a different... So it's testosterone undecanoate in oral form. Now, the dosages are much, much higher because only about 4% of it makes it into your bloodstream. Right. But it's not methylated, so it does not damage the liver. Because that's a problem with a lot of oral medications. There's a methylation process to get through the liver, but that also hurts the liver. Right, so right. this... That's why a lot of testosterone was an issue uh, for so many years, even in the 70s. A lot of that was because there were methyl testosterones that were damaging other things. Okay. That's right. That's right. So people get the testosterone, then they really you know, hurt, hurt their, uh, their liver. And that's, that's, that's a bit, another big problem that you're causing to solve one, I would argue, smaller problem. So now that we have this... Uh, it's a total game changer because you can have the proper amount of testosterone at the proper times and your body leverages it when it's there at the proper times. When it's at the improper times, chain reaction and negative stuff happen. So SHBG goes up. That's where the estrogen conversion happens. Uh, so the oral testosterone, and uh, I started a TRT company, uh, Primal Medical Group. So primalmedical.net. Mm -hmm. That, uh, that's a vehicle where like all the doctors are completely up to speed on oral testosterone and can get anybody who's on, already on TRT switched over and people who are just thinking about TRT, now they don't have to do any injections. Yep. Like a lot of people are just like, oh, I do not want to horse around with needles. Like that sucks. Uh, I, don't love, I don't love needles. I'll do it when it's worth it. It is for testosterone. But you're doing testosterone on Decanoate, right? Yeah. So the approvals from the FDA say specifically don't use it for age-related hypogonadism. In other words, um, less yeah, functional. Yeah, they say lots of stuff. Got it. So is there, and, and I went deep on this stuff because I'm, I'm considering giving it a try. Um, and what I found is they're saying that the primary risk is it might raise your blood pressure. Uh, big deal. People who have enough potassium and magnesium and other things shouldn't have high blood pressure and mine's already low. Exactly. I, I don't worry yeah. about that for me. But high blood pressure will take out your kidneys. It's a big deal if you have it. If you have high blood pressure, I mean, it, it's a nutritional problem. Like, it's because you're eating like an unsupervised child. Uh, and if you fix that, yeah. then, in, in, I mean, in, in a week, you can drive yeah. your blood pressure down to normal. Yeah. Insulin resistance will definitely drive high blood pressure. But let, let's talk about diet for a minute. You, you seem like you're kind of a a carnivore-ish sort of guy these days? Where, where are you on the spectrum of protein, source of protein, type of fat, frequency of carbs? Kind it's of funny, I was going to ask you the same question. Uh, so, so not everybody sees this, but Dave and I were just hanging out in, uh, at a conference and um, you're shredded. 
Like, it, like it, you said, you're like five percent body fat. It, it's, it's it's insane for for being where I came from. Like like just like, wow. like the the veins and stuff. Like like I don't know. This, it's on YouTube. This video is not doing it any justice. It, you look there. You go. It, it's yeah. weird. Uh, you from, look like an anatomy chart, man. Yeah. Like it's, it's I, awesome. I'm not. I'm not displeased. We'll put it that way. But. Uh, yeah, I, I like to think biohacking works when you keep adjusting over time. So first, tell me what you're doing because you look like a, a balloon animal. Yeah, actually, I'm more interested in what you're doing because I, I think you, you, you're closer to the, to the right answer. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm getting one gram per pound of body weight in, in quality protein. So either meat or uh, you know fermentation. Meat or fermentation? What are you fermenting? Uh, so I have a supplement uh, called Fortigen. It's oh, okay. So uh, uh, basically, central amino acids. Amino acids. Okay, got it. Yeah. So, so, so you're doing either protein or amino acids that have an equivalent amount of protein. Okay. And the difference for listeners, if you eat a steak or a whole protein, about thirty percent of it of, of the calories in it go into breaking it down. If you eat the amino acids that happen after it breaks down, they're fully absorbed, and you need far fewer of them. You need less calories. That's right. um, but as long as you're getting the amino acids at the end of it, there's benefits. There's probably also some uh, metabolic signaling in the gut from eating protein that's probably beneficial, but we don't know. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what do you do for carbs? You know, I try and stay like under 15 grams a day. Wow. Uh, and, and that works over time for you. Okay. I mean, it does, but I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question. What do you do? You're not going to like my answer. It's, it's funny. Um, and then, but first I want to get yours. Well, wait, hold on. I mean, I'm a scientist. If there's yeah, a better yeah, answer, I, somebody I, can tell me like putting, you know, cramming cauliflower in my ears is going to make me like bigger and stronger. I, You'll I'm see me you. like doing this all the time. I, I'll be a gravelitarian if it works. I, I don't even care how it tastes. Like, like I, I am willing to do anything. If it's better and um, it's proven, great. Well, even if it's not proven, I'll probably try it if it's not going to kill me and I'll prove it myself if I have to because you know, the most okay. interesting things aren't proven. They just work, right? Yeah. Now... Um, so first, you got to tell me fats. Type of fat, amount of fat. Where, where are you on that? Most of the time, I'm one meal a day. Um, okay. um, it's pretty much like like a two and a half pound ribeye is what I eat every day. Nice. Uh, uh, grass yeah. fat or not? I, I try to. If okay. I'm on the road, then, you know, like if I have to go to a Texas roadhouse. You lift every day. You're doing OMAD. You do cold therapy and stuff too? When I can. Okay, like not I, regularly. But you, you the cryo chambers are not, they don't do it for me. I like, I like a cold plunge. Okay. Where's your cortisol? Well, it, it depends. Um, <laughs> it does change every day. Who would have thought, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, it, it, it can go decently high. If I'm, it's not like blown out low. No. Okay. Awesome. What I found over time is when people go, um, following some of my recommendations, right? You, know, you can always overdo something. I'm like, do it when your body needs it. And they'll be like, I'll do it every day. I found that for most guys, if they do OMAD, the one meal a day, mm -hmm. um, so they're doing relatively long intermittent fasting, uh, and they're doing keto without a break, that they usually, about six, eight weeks, they start seeing cortisol levels go up and up which feels good at first because cortisol and adrenaline are energy sources. But then you start waking up and you're like, God, I didn't sleep well. This happened when I did three months of, of what we would now call carnivore when I was stress testing the edges of the bulletproof recommendations. Um, and so you're like, God, my sleep quality just went to hell and your sleep score is no good. And then you wake up without a kickstand and then your hair gets a little bit thin. These are all like high cortisol things. Um, 
So I've, I always, that's one of the reasons my recommendations were maybe you should cycle in and out of ketosis. Also, SHBG goes up on a keto uh, diet uh, over time, right? And so that was my one hard thing with the Bulletproof stuff is why is SHBG so high and green tea extract, EGCG, will lower it to a certain extent. So we'll have some carbs already. So I, uh, I went back and forth and I've been tweaking and testing forever. So I'm a little bit of a long story to tell you what I'm doing, but I want listeners and you to understand the order of operations of my thinking and like why I did it and have done it the way I do it. Um, and by the way, there's a brand new website, DaveAsper.com, just came out, and I've, I've reorganized all the information. There's 3,000 blog posts and you know, 1,200 episodes. There's a lot of infos just to make it easier to find stuff. So go to DaveAsper.com to see all that. If your everyday routine looks like mine used to, it includes some bloating and gas, trouble losing weight, digestive issues, and probably microbial imbalances. When I learned that my gut microbiome was directly linked to all that stuff going on, I knew I had to do something, but it was hard to know what to do. And that's how I found out about Viome and the Viome Full Body Intelligence Test. Viome stands out because it uses gene expression analysis, which is RNA, instead of DNA to figure out what my body needs. They even use information they learn about you to create 100% custom formulated supplements and personalized probiotics just for you. Viome gave me the information I needed to really upgrade my health. I've known the team at Viome for almost 10 years and worked with them on their recommendations. It's real science. Now, you can give it a try, too. Go to viome.com slash Dave and save $110 on the full body intelligence test. In Superhuman, the longevity book, there's a cluster of data that says 0.6 grams per pound of body weight might be associated with longevity. But all the studies don't look at the quality of the protein. And That's only, right. Yeah. A lot of them use shit quality protein. Yes. Like whey. Whey exactly. is trash. Yeah. Well, whey is better than soy. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I wouldn't even consider, like when somebody says like vegetable protein, it's like, that's not protein. Like throw uh, that I, shit away. I, I, I'm with you there. So, pro, and also gluten, snake venom, and nerve gas are all plant-based. Well, not, they're all proteins, either animal or plant-based. So it doesn't matter. Like, like, you don't want to just eat a protein diet unless you know what protein is. So I'm going to assume available animal-based proteins because those are what work. And where we run into problems is that if you want longevity, restricting the amount of certain amino acids like methionine and tryptophan are important because those change your gut microbiome per biome studies and because they also uh, basically accelerate some aspects of aging via something called mTOR, which is not even that bad in some circumstances. Very technical sentence. And if you didn't follow that, guys, just uh, hang on for a second. I'll explain it all to you. So that's point six. But there's also abundant research that says people are healthier metabolically, which means you'll live longer, if you eat one gram per pound of body weight. There's also another set of data that says 0.8 grams and one pound or one gram of protein per pound of body weight are identical in outcomes. But I don't see that. So here's what I've been doing. And a lot of people are, are like, do, do tell, do tell. Okay. Number one, I have formulated a new kind of protein. And I will probably launch it. It's all animal-based, but it's not something that you would find today on the market. So I think that's part of it. I, I optimized my type of protein. But um, I just did the math. I need 200 grams of protein. If I'm doing only two meals a day, 
that's 100 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And all the studies until two weeks ago said you can only use at most 50 grams of protein per meal. And I thought to myself, that sounds like a whole lot of bullshit. Because yeah, I, and there's a great I, study that came out about three weeks ago. Exactly, that and, and that study showed, well, it's one of the reasons that what I've done for the last two years worked. I tend to do stuff and figure out it works, and then there's a study. I don't know why, but the same thing happened with C8 MCT oil. And uh, well, that's also part of the reason why one meal a day works. Yeah, it, it is. And one meal yeah. a day, you have to eat more than 50 grams of protein. Otherwise, you'd look like Bill Gates, you know. You'd have die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just like, well, right. I don't eat really anything except for fat and protein. So, yeah, I the would things I do. So, I now, and I, I, I was doing this with just fat and protein, and I got like crazy lean. Um, to the point, I'm like, all right, I, I, there's no reason to limit carbs. So uh, what I do now is I do one gram per pound of body weight. I have no problem with 100 grams of animal protein per meal. And the, the study that just came out says there is no upper limit for protein, and you just make muscle for longer periods of time. So I might do two meals a day on an average day, sometimes three if I'm feeling you know, lazy about it. Uh, but I always get at least 200 grams of protein. I always take enzymes with it. If, if you're listening to this and you're going to do it, if you fart death, you did it wrong. And if you do it regularly, you'll probably die. The old bodybuilder, the gyms would smell like crap. Too much protein makes ammonia, which wrecks your metabolism. If you have enzymes and stomach acid, you won't do that. You'll just absorb it. So what I've been doing is I've been absorbing protein, a lot of it. And I'm a little concerned about that. So I've been looking at my Dunedin pace, my rate of aging to see if all this stuff, it hasn't changed meaningfully. So what I'm... What I'm seeing is that this works, but I kept getting too thin. So my team yelled at me and said, Dave, you're starting to look old because you have no fat in your face and you used to have like a really round face from when you were heavy. And you know, now I don't. So I guess yeah, I could I could stretch my face like Hollywood, but I just don't freaking care. So what else am I doing? I do about 350, 400 grams of carbs every day too. My HbA1c is 4.9. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> My triglycerides are on a 60 or something. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, like, this will actually be great for my fans to see because, like, I'm fascinated how you're pulling this off. Like, it, this runs against, like, all, everything that, like, all the studies that I share with people. It's I'm like, testing okay. the edges of it. Here's why I did it. I was trying to put on a little more fat because my team, like, Dave, you're a leader in the field of longevity and you have more lines here because you lost so much weight. I'm like, fine, I'll put some fat on. I'll just eat some freaking rice. Rice is the best carb. There's a whole bunch of reasons for it. You know, and to make sure I'm getting enough carbs, you know, I'll put some honey on on the rice just to make sure it tastes really good. So I, I do this like um, resistant starch rice um, based on old Japanese recipe and all that. But twice a day, I'm having like cups of cooked and reheated rice. And I eat a lot of red meat. I eat red meat every day. So... Um, why that's a, that's a lot, man. I, I'm intentionally... What are your triglycerides? What, what are your triglycerides? Uh, they were not very high. I don't know. Um, they they were... great. They were around like 60, if I remember right, from the last test. Okay. Right? And of course, those are highly variable on a daily basis, depending on what you had the okay. night before and all that. Uh, so I'm watching that. But the big variable that a lot of people are talking about, do you know what your TSH is? Your thyroid hormone? Yeah. Uh, What's yours? I mean, it's within normal range. Well, normal range for what? An old guy with a bad thyroid or normal range for a really healthy guy who's going to live That's forever? a great question. Normative data is from regular people who are all fat and sick. 
So just because you're just like all the fat and sick people, that doesn't mean it's a good thing. So great point. I don't know. So what yeah. I've been teaching in, in the world of longevity and biohacking for years is the two most important hormones, thyroid and testosterone in men and women. So if thyroid is the energy thermostat, how much energy do you have? You, the longevity docs who I've found to be the most trustworthy, they want TSH, which is how loudly your body is screaming for thyroid, to be under one. And regular doctors will tell you, oh, it's under four, don't even worry about it. And then there's a bunch of other things like T3 and T4 and reverse T3 that you also should measure. But the poor man's test is TSH. That's what your doctor's going to order. And it'll, it'll tell you half of thyroid problems. So my, a couple of years ago, I, I looked. I said, well, damn, my TSH is four. And I'm this longevity guy. What happened? So uh, I looked and I said, all right. I know that thyroid hormone, when you take it for longevity purposes, it interacts with everything, including electrolytes, including coffee. But I'm like, how, how big of a deal could it be? So I'd wake up and I'd have my danger coffee and my thyroid hormone at the same time. And lo and behold, it wasn't absorbing very well because it was sticking to the coffee. So I wasn't following my own advice. Now I just drink some water, reverse osmosis water, or I just chew up the thyroid hormone. I wait 20 minutes and then I have my coffee. So I turned up my thyroid hormone to physiologically normal and healthy levels, given that I've had Hashimoto's first diagnosed when I was 26. I've been on thyroid meds ever since. So now a bunch of the, the right. trolls... You told me this years ago. Yeah, they're going to be like, well, Dave's on thyroid and testosterone. Yeah, and it works. And if you're not on it, you're probably weak and that's okay. There, I said it. So I've made sure I have enough thyroid. It's not crazy high. I don't get arrhythmias. I'm just keeping my levels like that of a healthy young person. And because my metabolism works as well as it does, the carbs, dude, you eat them, they turn into glucose, you don't get a big blood sugar spike, and then they go in, and then the cells use them. Do I use MCT oil? Yeah. Do I take exogenous ketones on occasion when I'm flying or I want my brain to work really well? Yeah. Does my body go into ketosis when I'm fasting? Not very much, but yeah. So it's a perfectly flexible metabolism, and I need the carbs. Because otherwise, I just keep losing fat. And I only have 10 pounds of fat on my body. I mean, like I'm shredded. I don't want to be any lower because your risk of dying goes up underneath about 4%. Because then like your lungs can stick to your ribs or something. It sounds horrible to me. I, I don't want to be that lean. But I actually don't know how I would put on 20 pounds of fat right now without wrecking my biology because it works so well. Wow. Okay. But you want to join me? Let's go have some rice, man. Go out for sushi? <laughs> I mean... Sure. But, okay, <laughs> I'm going to challenge you, John. When's the last time you had clean carbs? Uh, like two weeks ago at Nobu in New York. Okay, there you go. I, I tend to have it at Nobu too, right? How did you feel the next day? Were you bloated just from, gly from uh, glycogen storage or did you feel good? I felt good. I think people on keto diets every Saturday, you should have carbs. And you feel so much better. That was actually the crux. The Bulletproof Diet was... Intermittent fasting, assisted by coffee if you, if you need it or want it, because it does help, plus cyclical ketosis. I think cycling it has massive metabolic benefits. So, you know, once a week and for sometimes twice a week. And then for me, I'm like, screw it. Every day, I'm having yeah. crazy carbs. Oh, I also mentioned a, I eat at least a couple of blueberries every day. I eat those too. I get my polyphenols. Uh, I don't eat a ton of veggies. I eat arugula. Um, all the things I've warned about in the Bulletproof Diet, I became more strict on the yellow zones because of oxalates. That's another big variable as well. 
Yeah, I mean, my my carb, the fact that my, my carbs are really low, uh, it, a lot of it's just oxalates and all the other in, inflammatories that come with plants. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's I write like, I read so Toxic magic. Superfoods. Oh, and yeah. I'm so thankful that Sally Norton wrote that book because it was just like, wow. Like, I thought I was really missing some shit in my diet from like a health perspective. So it's like, okay, we get as big and strong as, as possible. And then I probably need to figure out like where the hell I'm going to get my micronutrients. And then, and then, um, uh, there's a, there's a great study. Uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm forgetting the author's name. It's, it's terrible because he's a buddy of mine. Um, I just don't see him very often. His first name is Jason. Um, but I think, I think, I think, you know, the statistic, but it's like, if somebody were to get all the vitamins ascribed by the American medical association without any supplements, Oh, how many, yeah. and, and you could source foods from all over the world. How many calories would you need to take in a day? It's, it's like 10,000 a day. 25,000. Yeah. And, yeah. And here's the That's thing. more it, than a rhino eats. Yeah. It, it's a fool's errand to get all of your nutrients from food. What this is, is people put on blinders. It, it's a guy, or, guy who says, I want to climb Everest, but I have to carry this 100 pounds of scrap metal with me. And, and like, why? He goes, I don't know, but I have to. And, and like, no, you can't get all the nutrients your body needs in the world today. Also, food. you got to look at those those AMA recommendations that were based on expert opinion in the 1950s. Do, do you know where the They're AMA terrible. came from? The AMA was started by Rockefeller to make sure that chemical medicine destroyed natural medicine. So I'm sorry if you're in the AMA, you're in a trade union for the oil industry. And by the way, there's tons of doctors uh, out there who are fantastic. I wouldn't have said that, but... No, uh, yeah. I, that, this I mean, is the AMA. Right. The AMA doesn't like yeah. me. I, I, like, I'm an unlicensed biohacker. They can't influence me by taking my license. There's tons of doctors right now who think I'm an ass for saying that. And there's mm-hmm. probably more doctors listening right now who are going, thank God someone said it because they want to heal people. And they, they don't like being cuffed by, by a regulatory body that isn't even elected. So I'm just going to have to call it like it is. And that's how it is. This is fascinating. So I still stand by ketosis as a scalpel for losing weight. Uh, I love intermittent fasting. I think you can overfast. I think you can over keto. Uh, I think a, a vegan diet is dangerous. But if you want to do it for a couple of weeks and you do it without oxalates and the lectins that are bad for your own biology, good luck on that. You're going to eat a lot of white rice, <laughs> which is low in lectins. Uh, it's, it's exceptionally low. And if you cook it right with some butter or coconut oil or MCT oil, it's got resistant starch. Uh, so for me... It's blueberries and coffee are my primary sources of, uh, of polyphenols. And I take polyphenol supplements. I eat a tablespoon of dried rosemary and a tablespoon of dried oregano every day uh, when I cook my steaks and my rice. So I get more polyphenols than a vegan does with all their weird, you know, eat the rainbow stuff. Um, just got to do the math. And I'm taking in far fewer plant toxins and I get my steak and I like steak and it's all good. So I'm going to challenge you, eat two cups of rice every day for a week and see what it does to your strength, to your body composition, and to your brain. Just see what happens. It's just an experiment. Okay. Right. I'll do it. Good deal. And, uh, and if, if it works and, and it feels good, next time we hang out, I'll make some of my stuff. Everyone's ever been to my house and eaten what I do with rice. Like, this is not possible. So this is my, my chef side coming out. Do you, do you do it like uh, like they do it in in um, Singapore? No, I, you, I do. It's actually getting fat. Do you know what? Uh, 
you know what mochi is? Like the stuff they wrap around ice cream? No. So you can you can turn rice into a rice dough. Oh yeah, I do know this. Yeah, and if you know, yeah, if you know how to cook rice dough, you can do things that are just unimaginable with it. So um, it's, it's it's one of those foods you look forward to. So like, I'm sitting down, I'm eating something that's better than bread. Uh, I'm eating a big fat steak crusted with herbs, and maybe an arugula salad if I was feeling like I wanted one. One of the of all the things that I say to do, people don't have problems doing, you know, the exercise program because it doesn't take very long. And you know, even though it's a lot of effort, they see results. The reason people quit working out is because they see nothing. Well, working out's a waste of time, just like you're... Yeah, I mean, dude, I called the book that for, 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 for a reason. Like most people that work out for years and years, you look at them, you never know they've ever worked out. So I'm always like looking for like a better approach. And I know one of the things that I say that people really don't like is the low carbohydrate thing. People like carbohydrates. Like your biochemistry, when you, that's, you know, insulin sensitivity, when you have a bite of those carbohydrates, your body's like, yes, more of that. And, uh, you know, so like most people are just sort of white knuckling, you know, the, the, uh, their desire to eat a bunch of carbohydrates. It's one of those things where I don't want people to do what I do uh, because what I do is based on my biology, it's personalized. And by the way, I also, people are going to see all sorts of things. I have the Upgrade Labs tech at my house. I have a $26,000 device that is 95% equivalent to DEXA. And my visceral fat is at the very low end of the range for an 18-year-old. And as you age, it goes up and up and up. So it's like... With that amount of carbohydrates. On that amount of carbs. And I've been doing this not just for a month. I've been doing this for a year. But the number one thing too is I get enough protein. Most people don't get enough protein or they can't absorb it when they get it. And my biggest challenge over the last few years is that I travel so damn much that you go to a restaurant and say, I'd like to get 100 grams of protein. And they're going to give you six main courses. And $900 later, you've got enough protein. You can't do it. So I just started traveling with the protein powder that I made. And I'm sorry, I can't tell you guys what it is. You couldn't even buy it. Um, but I will probably, uh, I'll probably put it together as a product. It's just, you know, I have a lot of products in my, my pipeline, but I, I believe that that's solved the travel problem for me. And, you know, for most people, this is going to sound really crappy. Whey protein will do it. It's not a great protein. It's better than what you're getting now on the road, which is you're getting a little bowl of lettuce, two ounces of chicken and some canola oil. And they tell you it's lunch. And I'm like, I wouldn't feed that to my dog. They should be eating that stuff. I don't have a dog either, but there's that. <laughs> John, um, I'm I'm a fan of your of your open minded thinking and your willingness to put your results out there. And you know, you've over the years, you've like look, bone density is a solvable problem. You solve that, it solves a lot of metabolic function, and you're looking at efficiency and exercise, which is something that is it respects the human condition. Looking at well. Never eat anything, eat industrial foods and work out all the time. Things that the doctors themselves don't follow because they can't, right? It's not followable. Right. Uh, so you're just saying, let's respect every minute of effort. And, and I believe very strongly in that so that we can be with our kids, we can be with our, our partners, yeah. and do stuff. So this is what matters and, and you've got it. So that's, um, um, that's uh, why you've got my respect. 
I'm excited to see uh, what happens when we start getting more data off the bands as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really exciting. Like actually being able to see like everybody who uses the product gets stronger every single time they're using it. It's, it's like totally the, I, I think in the next 15 years, people are going to like, there's going to be kids like sitting in the park being like, Hey, did you hear like 15 years ago, people would like lift weights. Like they didn't understand variable resistance. Like what a bunch of idiots. Like, <laughs> I, I think that conversation is actually going to go down. Um, it's and it, like I I run into athletes all the time, and I'll I'll show them variable resistance. I'll put them through a training session, and they never go back. Never. Like it's like okay, you just changed my entire training program, my entire life. Um, I even have trouble getting strength coaches to talk about it because they don't want other teams to know. Yeah. So like I mean like I've, I the the Miami Heat, uh, you know they. They endorse the book. Their 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 endorsements right right on the back uh, cover of the the book, and it's like when you want to get one of those guys to talk about it, like I don't really want to tell you what their their program is because it's kind of like proprietary. It's like hey, you know, we're we're the least injured team in the NBA for for a reason, and it's not just X three. Like they have strength and conditioning guys that absolutely know what the hell they're doing, and um, I, I also happen to know that they live by uh, your podcast. Ah, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Miami that's, Heat. That's uh, how they found out about X3. It was your well, podcast. I'm, uh, I'm yeah. honored when professional athletes and, and medical doctors and neuro, neuroscientists and all listen to this. I'm probably wrong about some stuff, but I'm right way more often than I'm wrong and I'm willing to willing to change. I'm even eating carbs. Who would have thought, right? I, I don't know. I, I don't think you're wrong. I, you're never wrong about anything. It's just there's always new information coming out. Yeah, and and, there's and also, sometimes new information comes out, and we have to go. Wow, like we got to unwind some of the stuff that we were previously saying, and maybe apply this this new idea. But that's just science. Yeah, and you know, I, if I see my data is going the wrong way, I'll change what I'm doing. And it's a uh, it, it's a very interesting world to be able to to play with nutrients and still feel good. And you know, to do all this, you got to have adequate muscle mass and functioning mitochondria. And it looks like variable resistance training is an important thing. And it's it's part of my philosophy at Upgrade Labs as well. You got to have it. What's the best place to go to get a, a list of all the stuff you're working on? My website, best place, drj.com. Everybody has trouble spelling my last name. Uh, so the Jaquish Biomedical website is, is tough to find, apparently. Uh, but it's uh, D-O-C-T-O-R, the letter J.com. You can find my, my YouTube, all my social. Um, you can you can get a link to uh, Primal Medical if you want to do the oral testosterone. Most people should just at least talk to a doctor about it, and you get that through uh, Primal Medical. Um, and then, like, there's links to the bone density stuff, uh, you know, superior exercise, superior nutrition. Uh, yeah. It's all there. Thanks for being on the show. Keep innovating. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is great. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider.
This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.